Hello and welcome to Season 3, Episode 1 of Pandemic Parenting Sucks. And where have I been? It has been several months since I did a podcast, but it's also been summer and the summer has been crazy. I had no time to get anything done. I had kids all the time. I had surgery this summer. I'll go over all of that in this podcast and we'll talk about what's to come this year. So where I left off back in the first day, first week of May was I was going to camp with my oldest for his sixth grade trip and that was an epic failure. The camp was about four and a half hours away from where we lived and we were supposed to be there for an entire week. The problem is this was probably, I want to say the first year the camp had been open since it closed because of COVID and you could tell People that had been there before even were saying, this is not what it was. It was way different. This is not what he expected. A lot of people were very disappointed in it. And I was one of them. Do I think small minor changes would have made the difference? A hundred percent. But this is a very well-known camp. I'm not going to say the name, but it's a very well-known camp in the area. It was very expensive Like I said back in my other podcast, it was around $400 for us to go to this camp. And it was not, we did not get what we paid for. I'll put it that way. We get there and I find out that I'm a four-walled cabin, so that's great. I have a cabin with a door on it. Other people were in cabins that were only three-walled. There were three four-walled cabins, and because so many dads needed CPAP machines, they actually got cabins with electricity, where none of the girls had cabins with electricity. I had no issue with my son in his cabin. I had no issue with any of the dads in his cabin. He had a really good experience. They were down to only one shower house, and there was a hundred kids and about 30 adults just with our group and we were down to one shower house with five showers which was not enough and six flushable toilets then we had one outhouse by our cabins there should have been another shower house with flushable toilets but it was closed for maintenance and we did not have access to that the boys had porta potties so they had two porta potties and we had one outhouse next to our cabins. The you know the walking and stuff it wasn't bad. Ticks were very bad. They pulled like over 300 ticks off of the kids during the whole week. The the downfall or the disappointment, one we couldn't use horses. The horses were sick and a lot of the activities were cut down to nothing. We got to kayak for 20 minutes. They did one time up a rock wall. They didn't get to do all of the activities that we had previously been promised. We couldn't swim in the lake. It was closed. So there was no swimming. There was no horseback riding. Only one time doing rock wall. Only one time doing kayaking for 20 minutes. They did archery for 20 minutes. Very, very limited. Now, this is where it kind of, I'll explain the food and how it leads up to what was going on with me. The food was horrible. Uh, I'm a picky eater, but I will choke stuff down if I need to. And we needed calories. We were walking 
about 10 miles a day. My step tracker, which is an Amazon knockoff, so it's not perfect, but my step tracker had me going around 26,000 miles or 26,000 steps a day. So we're walking a lot. We're burning a lot of calories. These are 10 to 12 year old kids, especially 10 to 12 year old boys will eat you out of house and home. They're just food garbage cans. And the food that we were given was family style per table. So there was like one bowl and we had to pass it around the table and make sure everybody got stuff. Originally, we were just passing it with the kids, like just to the next person, to the next person. But the adults had to step in because there was not enough food. And we found out very quickly that night, our first meal there, that we couldn't let the kids serve themselves because there wasn't enough helpings for everybody if they did that. So the adults had to start serving the kids and rationing the food. And I knew very quickly from that first meal that this was going to be a major issue, rationing, having to ration food. We had many kids coming saying they were still hungry and we had no food to give them. The first night there, it was uh, like a stroganoff. And again, every kid got maybe a cup, not a lot. The and five tater tots a piece. So again, we're rationing five tater tots, a cup of stroganoff. And it kind of went downhill from there for the meals. And they got worse and worse. Breakfast was okay. And we were kind of telling the kids to bulk up on breakfast because as we seem to have larger quantities of food during breakfast, more options. There was a hot breakfast and a cold breakfast. So a lot of the kids were eating the hot and the cold and not doing the choice between because they were so hungry from the night before. And especially in our cabin, we had a lot of the girls saying their tummies hurt and they were hungry and they couldn't sleep. I actually got pretty sick the night before and My first night there, I got pretty sick and I thought it was like the food didn't agree with me. It was very milk based. I'm not allergic to milk, so I couldn't put it on my list. But milk doesn't, you know, milk and I don't get along well as a lot of people my age tend to have issues with milk. So I just thought it was too much milk in there. The food didn't agree with me. But this is leading up. So we have a decent breakfast. We're able to eat the breakfast. But again... I'm there with my son who is 12, who grew three inches this summer. So he's going, sorry, he's going through a growth spurt and the, he was starving. So I was actually rationing my food for myself and was giving him a lot of my food. So I would give him some of my breakfast. I would give him some of my lunch. The lunch was so bad. It was bad. Like people, the adults, we couldn't figure out what it was. I went back and asked and another adult went back and asked. It was awful. It was just awful. And no kid ate it. And some kids for lunch that day, all they had was an apple or a banana. So they were very hungry. We get to supper time. We have kids that basically skipped lunch starving, going through growth spurts. Some of the boys especially are bigger than me and they give us one soft shell taco, not even a burrito, one soft shell taco. 
And it wasn't enough. I mean, it was decent. And the, most of the kids ate the taco, like hands down. All the kids were starving at this point. They ate the taco, but it was just one taco. And I don't know when last time it was, you know, you don't creepily watch a adolescent male eat, but one taco isn't cutting it. And so the next day I started feeling like wonky. I made it to breakfast. We did all the showers and we, we walked around all day and we get back to supper the next day. And I told the nurse, we had to bring two nurses with us. And I told the nurse, I'm like, I don't feel great. There's something going on. She takes my temperature of 101. And I go to tell the my um, son's teacher, who was the teacher in charge of the camp, I go to tell her, I'm like, I don't feel great. I have a fever. They want me to COVID test. I'm going to have to go home because that's like a, like, even if I would have felt fine and had a fever, they would have sent me home because that was a, a stop. Like, you have to go home if you have a fever because we're in close quarters. And... So I go to tell this teacher, like, I have a fever. I'm pretty sure they're going to send me home. I was hoping to go home the next morning. I was hoping to drive myself home the next morning because it's so far away. And as I'm walking to go tell my son's teacher, I drop to the floor. Like, I completely pass out. I don't remember anything. I remember waking up and they had my feet in the air. And they were fanning me. And they're like, you know, your your fever's hot. My external temperature was 101, but they did my internal temperature in my mouth and it was 97. So they said that I was going into shock because I was overheated and I wasn't able to get my temperature down. My um, pulse was actually very low and my blood pressure was really, really low. They were going to call an ambulance. It was a big thing. They transported me to a house, to like the main house office area and it was air conditioned I gave my son the option to stay because his best friend and his best friend's mom was there. So I gave him the option to stay since I had to go home and he freaked out. He actually saw me faint and it was very upsetting to him. You know, when we're kids, our parents are superheroes. So if your parent faints on you and is physically ill in front of you, that kind of takes it away, but he refused to leave my side. He was absolutely shaken. He went and packed up all of his stuff and ended up going home with me, but I couldn't drive myself home because I had passed out. So my husband had to come pick us up and he didn't get there until about 1230 at night because again, four and a half hours away, we ended up staying in a hotel and there and then getting my vehicle and I drove it home. I was not the best driver and I guess I upset my husband driving home because I was a little unstable driving, but we made it home and my son was a little embarrassed to go back to school with two days left because he should have still been at camp for those two days, but he didn't want to stay without me. And one of the things he when he was telling his dad too was, He didn't want to go without me, and he was worried what camp would have been like, and I even told my husband I was worried that he wouldn't get enough food. I was adjusting my food to give him more food, so if I wouldn't have been there, he wouldn't have got enough food. 
And so I went to the doctor the next day when I got home and it turned out that I had a really bad urinary tract infection and like going to the kidneys bad, had to be on antibiotics. The doctor was very concerned about it and apparently I had probably went to camp with it starting and not realizing it, but then I stressed my body. I was limiting my food intake. I was getting overheated. The I was not going to the bathroom as frequently as I should have because it was an outhouse. So it was like the perfect storm. And I did two COVID tests. I did one there and I did one when I got home. PCR, like actual send off to the lab tests and they were both came back negative. So it wasn't COVID. But that was the first thing people were thinking was, oh my God, she brought COVID to camp. And it could have happened. It could have been me. It could have been someone else. Hell, someone could have brought COVID to camp and been asymptomatic and we'd have never known. But the first thing, as soon as I realized I had a fever and as soon as I passed out, they started panicking because I was in a cabin with another adult and 13 kids. So that became an issue. Do I have COVID? Did I bring COVID to camp? And no, I just had a really bad UTI. And those of you that have had UTIs, you don't mess around with UTIs. Like they can go, that can like land you in the hospital. And I didn't know that I had it, but I still felt very bad because I ended my son's camp two days early. I left my partner by herself with a group of 13 little girls and the first two nights were not great she um they spiders ick even though we had four walls we didn't have window screens so there were just holes cut out of the side of the cabin so it it left a lot to be desired but I felt bad for leaving her behind felt bad for cutting it off for my son I mean we wasted money my husband had to drive and pick us up It was just the perfect nightmare. But my daughter will get to do it in three years when it's her cycle. So I'm kind of hoping it's either improved. We found out later on they couldn't get the staff to do any of the programs. So that's why there were three young adults, I would say between 17 and 23, three of them running all of the activities, which I felt bad for them. And we never lashed out or complained or anything, but this was definitely not what our what we paid for or what we were promised. Um, they, we found out the food was so horrible and the portions were so restricted because they were using up food that they had had before COVID, all of the canned goods and stuff, and they were trying to use that all up and all of the freezer food before they bought new food. And we were the first camp of the season. So we were eating essentially leftovers. We were eating canned goods that had been there for two plus years. Frozen food that had been there for two plus years. So it wasn't great. And I'm hoping when my middle child, if she decides to go, we will. Hopefully it'll be better. Hopefully. Fingers crossed it'll be better. But upside, I was able to get diagnosed and get treated and before we went on vacation, because we went on vacation four days later. So we drove to the Gulf Shores, which is about 16 hours for us of a drive. And my mother-in-law actually came with us, which was very nice. We invited my mother and father-in-law, but they have an elderly dog. They could not leave by herself. So we went, we had, um, 
my kids got out of school, we left the next day. So we left one day after their school ended. Uh, we left early in the morning. We drove to Nashville. And we did Dave and Buster's and ate lunch. And then we continued on to Birmingham. And then we stayed the night in Birmingham. And then arrived at the Gulf Shores. We actually arrived a couple hours early. So we couldn't check into our beach house rental. So we ended up doing like all the souvenir shops and stuff. It was super fun. And got like weird jerky and got ice cream and everything. And we went down to the beach house. The We did do more stuff this year since almost all of us but my youngest are vaccinated. And most everything was still outside though. We're still a little leery of doing everything inside. But we did do more activities. Like we did a dolphin cruise, which was super fun. Um, we went to Alligator Alley. I cannot recommend Alligator Alley enough. I thought it was going to be like scary, sad animals and we'd all feel sorry for them, but it wasn't. It was so nice and it wasn't what you expected. And the show, I would recommend the feeding show. The guy was hilarious. We learned a lot about the alligators and how it's more of a sanctuary than a zoo. We did that. We did um, Fort Morgan. So all the things we didn't do last time because we wanted to isolate more since the COVID was peaking more last time and this time it was calmer. So we were able to do more activities. The kids were able to do more things. I will say it wasn't as relaxing as last year. Last year was way more relaxing because we literally went to the beach, went to the pool, went to the beach, went to the pool. We had no plans. We didn't leave the beach house. This year we had lots of, today we're going to do this. Granted, we had, we kept it to one activity a day. No kids got sick. We did not get sick there. We did not get sick when we got home. But when we got home, we only had two days and we had to leave to go camping again for our annual camping trip in Indiana, where we met our, my brother and sister-in-law and my niece and nephew there for my husband's 40th birthday. So we had a birthday party at the campground. We walked around, we hiked a lot, we did the five mile challenge, which is really a six and a half mile challenge because they had to close certain trails and you had to like walk around it. So we did that. My husband, myself, my son, and my father-in-law all went and did that and got stickers for it. And then we came home and the kids started swim lessons I don't know why, but the swim lessons this year were not busy. Like last year, if you just remember my podcast for swim lessons last year, it was insane. There was like 13 kids in every class with capping out at 15. This year, my middle child's class, my nine-year-old's class was the heaviest and it had around 10. My 12-year-old decided not to take swim because he made it all the way to swimmer and our philosophy in our house is swimming is non-negotiable. Swimming lessons are non-negotiable. You have to do swimming lessons. But once you make it to the top and can dive off the diving board and save yourself and everything, then you can stop. Or when you can pass the Boy Scout swim test. So my 12-year-old had passed it the previous year. He had made it all the way till the top two tiers and one of them being junior lifeguard. And he's like, yeah, I'm not going to do it. So he decided not to sign up to swim, 
But much like his baby sister had to come along for everything, he has to come along for everything now. So my two girls did do swim. My son would bring a book. But he was very helpful, especially on days when his dad couldn't come and it was just me. We would switch back and forth and who watched which girl. So he act, he did act as a parent. And that was very nice. The, but both girls did swim lessons. The second round, which was in July, my youngest was in a class with one other person, which was great. So she got one-on-one. But I'm worried with this low enrollment, are they going to cancel swim lessons next year? Like, how is that going to work out? And we really rely on our local park district for swim lessons. We did the water park a lot. The water park was not as busy this year as it was last year, but I think that's because more things were open this year. There's more other activities in the summer. And it's not just the water park's open and that's it. So there's more activities, more indoor activities came back. So we're able to filter out. Oh, um, indoor activities that came back. This is a big thing for this fall. And I'm just kind of jumping around. Sorry. Welcome to my show. Um, But this fall, my nine-year-old gets to go back to tumbling. So the place that she used to tumble at just shut down completely. COVID killed it. And I was asking if they were going to bring tumbling back. And they're like, no, we sold all of our equipment. So that's probably a no. I will say she is not a gymnast. She is not. She doesn't want to go. She does not want to go to a competitive gym. We have a competitive gym here in town. It stayed open the whole time. That is not what she wants. In her words, she wants to do enough to be a cheerleader. So she just wants to do floor work, basic cartwheels, handsprings, flips, whatnot. And she had just mastered the cartwheel when COVID shut everything down and she was working on her one-handed cartwheel and every two months since COVID shut everything down she keeps asking is the gym open again when can I go back to tumbling is the gym open again well finally our park district opened their tumbling program back up for this fall so she can do tumbling and I signed her up as soon as they opened it because I know there's a lot of kids in the same predicament as her where They don't want to do this competitively. They're not hardcore into it. They just want to do enough to get them by in a particular activity. For her, it's cheerleading. So they want to do enough to get them by there. So we're able to do that now. That's come back. That is one of the first things I've seen that's really been like, okay, are we getting through this? However, um, our school started last week and we are seeing numbers rise already. So we've seen a couple cases already within the school district that have increased a little more than previous. So that's a little concerning. Plus we have monkeypox and possibly polio. Uh, But the, we've made it through June. So with camping, swim lessons, we did Boy Scout camp and Cub Scout camp. So both my 12-year-old and my 9-year-old did their camp too. And while my, because, you know, timing is everything, while my husband and my nine-year-old were away at camp, I had surgery. And so I was home alone with my 12-year-old and my four-year-old and really relied on my mother and father-in-law because, yeah, going all the way back and you probably, I think I mentioned it in previous podcasts, I hurt my thumb pretty bad. 
I picked up my four-year-old to put her in the van at pickup line and I had a sharp pain shoot from my thumb to my elbow and then my thumb became basically useless. And it's one of those moments where you're like, oh God, I did something really, really bad. Like, you know, you did something bad, but I had to go to multiple different doctors to get a referral to the doctor I needed to go to. I got a referral um, right before camp. I got a shot in my finger and they were hoping like the shot would help. It didn't. It helped for like two weeks and then it hurt again. So in the middle of July, I went back and not only was it worse than they had thought, the fact that the shot didn't help and it didn't really reduce the swelling that much, I ended up having to go into surgery then that next Friday. So on Thursday, I went in and they're like, yeah, we're going to schedule you for surgery. And I was like, oh, crap, when can I have surgery? Because here locally, our hospitals are starting to restrict surgery again. And that's when we had like the summer spike. I don't know if it's changed again, but I needed surgery right when they were um, worried about the summer spike. So my doctor was worried that they'd possibly shut down elective surgeries again, and he was pushing all of us closer. So he's like, you need surgery. I, long story short, I tore the tendon between my thumb and my wrist, and it was like right near the flexor cuff. So I needed surgery on the flexor cuff and on the flexor tendon, and, but luckily just one cut It was super quick. I wasn't even in surgery for more than 45 minutes, but it's on my right hand, which is my dominant hand, and I was out. Like, it's been almost two weeks, three weeks. It's been a week since I got the stitches out, so it's been almost three weeks, and I had 11 stitches in my hand externally and six internally for the repair. I'm still in a brace, and I'm still lifting restricted. For a couple more weeks just to make sure the tendon heals and everything's like kosher. I still cannot feel my pointer finger or my thumb. They are still numb, which is frustrating to say the least, especially on your dominant hand. But I had a cast on and I couldn't shower and my husband's away at camp and I'm with my 12-year-old and he's really stepping up and helping with his four-year-old sister at the time. But there was things I couldn't do. I couldn't take the garbage out. I couldn't, like, even now I'm not supposed to lift anything over a pound with my right hand. I've started doing a lot with my left hand. I couldn't get my hand wet with the stitches. I could take showers and stuff, but we couldn't go to the pool. So for two weeks, we couldn't go to the water park and just apparently ruined their summer by me having to have surgery. Luckily, I got my stitches off on a Friday and I started my my job job on Monday. So it was nice not having those stitches. So I took it also, I took the stitches out on Friday, had to go to the state fair for my son for his 4-H projects that Saturday. And if you've ever been to state fairs, they're gross. So I was really happy to have my stitches out, but it's still, they're still numb. It's still painful to touch and I still have some bruising. The doctor is not surprised by that. And I could be out for 12 weeks total Anywhere six to 12 weeks, I have, you know, two follow-up appointments between now and then to figure out which I am. Unfortunately, since they're still numb, though, it looks like I may be more of a 12-weeker than a six-weeker, which is sad, but it needed to be done. And I was able to get it all done under one deductible. 
and when you're an adult, that I needed to get it all done under one insurance deductible. The And that's even with physical therapy and everything after I get feeling back in my hands. So there's there's all of that. And that gets us to now. My kids have started school. We are in the second week of school. The first week was a shit show. I try not to use cuss words on here, but I mean, that's all I could describe it. My seventh grader did not have a schedule when he started school. They gave him a schedule the first day and then they amended the schedule the second day and changed a couple things around. He's still not even sure what lunch he's supposed to be in on week two. The He is taking early bird advanced algebra at the high school in the morning. So my seventh grader is taking high school algebra and we're getting all the information from the high school plus all the information from his middle school. And he's still having to take middle school math on top of taking algebra because they don't have anywhere else to put them. So they're like, well, they'll cause trouble if we give them study hall. And he's not pleased about that because he's quite bored and frustrated that he has to retake a class he took last year. Because if you remember, he took seventh grade math last year while he was in sixth grade. So he's literally retaking the same class. Sports are starting up, not this week, but next week. So soccer starts up for all three kids next week. Tumbling starts up for both of my girls. And my son may run cross country in junior high. But we haven't got any information about that because he does play middle school soccer. And those sports run parallel. So last year we couldn't do middle school cross country because he was in soccer. And I'm wondering if it's going to be the same this year. But we've heard no information from that. His beloved band teacher, who was his person at the school, if he was upset, he would go to his band teacher, left. (laughs) And we found out right before school started that he left and it just crushed my son. But they do have a band teacher, so there's at least someone there. We're feeling out what we think about her. The, um, she did call him Luke, so that's, that's a no-no. So we'll see how that works, but it is, it is what it is, unfortunately. Uh, I picked up an extra class, so my father-in-law has to pick my kids up from school twice a week, and pickup line is horrible right now. I watched a teacher lose it on a dad, because the dad walked up to get his kids, and she's like, no, you have to get them out of your, you know, you have to get your car. You have to wait in line in your car. We're not letting anybody walk up and get kids this year. You can't just walk up and get it. They have, you know, you have to be in your car. And the dad was like calmly, he goes, no, I'm, I came up, like, I will be walking up here every day. And the teachers continue to be like, no, 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 you have to be in your car. And he's like, I walked here. I didn't drive my car. I live right there. And he's like pointing at his house from the steps. So I don't know how that was resolved, but the teacher was having none of it. So it's just been a mess. It's been an absolute mess. But I expect nothing less of the first week of school. It's the first week of school. Hopefully this week goes better. Next week will be crazy because all of the activities start and apparently everything is on Monday night. All of the activities, Monday night. Um, my, you know, my oldest is still in Scouts, which is, he's, you know, trying to rank up. My middle child is in her last two years of Cub Scouts, and I don't know if she'll continue on to Boy Scouts, but we'll see after this year 
and reevaluate it. And the four-year-old is finally old enough to have all activities too. So let's just throw that in the mix. I've had to buy a parent planner, which if you have a lot of children with activities, I highly suggest a parent planner. I got mine at Aldi because I'm bougie like that. I think I paid like $9 for it at Aldi. It has been a lifesaver. I've been putting who goes where, when, what's going on in it, and it's been amazing. So I highly, highly recommend getting a parent planner now that activities are coming back because pre-pandemic, my youngest was, you know, just turned two. So she didn't have activities, but now everybody has activities. Everybody's in school. When is so-and-so snack day? You know, when are you staying after? What's going on with all of that? So highly, highly, highly recommend buying a parent planner. So what does this fall look like and what is the future of this podcast? Well, we've started season three. I am going to do once a month again, hopefully maybe do twice a month and a couple times, but my goal is to be once a month and then I will reevaluate from there. I don't think I'm going to change the name because I don't think we're ever going to be out of a pandemic. I've, I've just come to accept this as my new normal, but that'll be that. I'm probably going to talk about you know, next week's school or next week, next month, like school starting, how the sports are different, physicals and whatnot, and how we do all of that, navigating that and the first month of school for all of my children. They all three had new teachers this year. So that's very interesting. Thank you for listening to me. Happy I'm back. And I hope you listen to some of my other previous episodes and hopefully I will see you again next month.